the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground Horses raised, heads bowed down We're gathered here on hallowed ground To sing this song away This show is about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and hopefully avoiding guardianship proceedings. And as far as elder law is concerned, we're trying to save assets from nursing home bills. As most of you know, we start the show with one of our attorneys. Last week we had Mel on, and we talked a lot about real estate, law in the Philippines, and making gifts. This week we have back Nicole, who's in charge of our Staten Island office. And by the way, Nicole, where where is our Staten Island office? Our Staten Island office is on 513 Davis Avenue, which is right off of Forest. Forest Avenue. Forest Avenue. I don't know that there's a Forest Street. Do you know of one? I don't know. Staten Island, you know, there's Richmond Road, Richmond Avenue, Richmond Terrace, Richmond. Anybody from Staten Island knows what I meant, okay? Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe coming in from Brooklyners. Then they should Jersey. come visit us in Bay Ridge. Okay. Forest Avenue for everybody who didn't know. Okay. All right. So we usually have the segment sometimes where you, you bring up examples where estate planning got wrong. And what's the example we're going to uh, – because this happens so often, we're just going to go consolidate and not talk about any one problem, but just generally. Estate planning goes wrong all the time when people get the wrong advice. And what do I mean by that? We all want to pay our bills. I'm urging you, think twice before paying your nursing home bill. If the social worker told you what to do, think twice. If some doctor told you what to do, think twice. If another, I've seen too many doctors tell you what to do, but okay. If another person who's in the, in the waiting room or <laughs> you know the reception area is just talking up a storm, what to do? Think twice. Mr. Connors, tell the people why they need to think twice before paying their nursing home bill. Well, because a lot of times they're what we call exempt transfers if you're going into a nursing home. And a lot of times we can save your assets if we can use one of these exempt transfers. 
And of course, the most frequent exempt transfers we have is transfers between spouses. So let's say we have a husband and wife. Husband has a stroke. He's going to a nursing home. Husband, if, if he can transfer virtually all of his assets to his wife's name, and a lot of times we do it in trust, but if he can transfer virtually all of his assets to his wife's name, he can apply for medical assistance Medicaid the first day of the month following the transfer. So let's say for the sake of argument, husband transfers everything to wife in July. He can apply for home care or as nursing home Medicaid on August 1st, the first day of the month following the transfer. And people say, well, isn't there a five-year look-back period? Yes. If you apply for nursing home Medicaid, you have to document all your transactions for five years prior to your application for benefits. But there are a number of transactions that are exempt from penalty under the five-year look-back period. Number one is transfers between spouses. And Nicole, we are just talking about some guys, husband and wife, again, they got $500,000 in the bank. And like you said, they want to pay their bills. Everybody's inclined to pay the bill. They get the bill. They get shocked by the number. But their first reaction is to go and look for the money. And this is important even for your kids to know. That's why sometimes it's important for families to come together. Because maybe in our scenario, the wife knew this. But maybe she knew it when she came and did the planning. And now she's a little older. She's not so well. But she's not so bad, right? Not as bad as her spouse. And your kid is doing all the transactions for you. They don't know what you learned in the meeting. So it's important that the family or at least your agents know what exemptions apply to you. Right. And and this is why also, which a lot of people like, especially between husband and wife, uh, power of attorney, why power of attorney is so important. Because let's say if the husband had a stroke, he's in a nursing home, he doesn't have a power of attorney. And... The asset is in his name alone for whatever reason. Let's say he has a stock portfolio. He got stock options that he purchased when, you know, from his work, whatever. And, and the, the stock portfolio is in his name alone. And we want to transfer that from husband and wife to wife or in trust for the wife. We can't do that without a power attorney. There's no automatic right between husband and wife to sign each other's name. I mean, a lot of people get startled by that, but it's true. There's a lot of benefits to being married. I don't know of them. I'm not married. I'm sure Mr. Connors and Mrs. Connors will tell me one day. But you do not have the right to sign anybody's name married or not. <laughs> right. It has to be done in a path attorney. And, and like I said, a lot of people think, well, we're married. Don't we have a right to sign each other's name? And no, we don't. And if you have to go to court and get a guardian appointed to transfer those assets, that's going to be expensive in a couple of ways. One, it's going to be expensive because you're paying for your own lawyer for a court-appointed lawyer, for a court-appointed guardian, possibly a court evaluator. Um, and, and believe me, it gets expensive. And you really don't want to go through that system. And in the situation where we have people who put their spouses on as power of attorney, and, you know, what do we say about adding a kid on there as um, a co-agent with the spouse? Because a lot of people come in and say, no, I want to keep my kids out as long as possible. Let's make them an alternate. What? What are we taking away from the kids when they're just an alternate to mom and dad? Well, sometimes, let's say, we I, I had this case years ago. Uncle and aunt, they had their nephew, you know, and by uncle and aunt, brother and sister. They had their nephew as power of attorney, first each other, then the nephew. They both got hospitalized. They were close to the same age. They both got hospitalized at the same time. 
And the nephew was going crazy because his aunt was on the power of attorney for his uncle and vice versa. So he'd go to the bank and says, well, you need a letter from your uncle that it's all right to use your aunt's power of attorney. But my uncle is not mentally competent. We'll get a letter from his doctor saying he's not competent. And then the the doctor at the nursing home says, well, your uncle's in a coma. I wouldn't say he's not competent. He may come out of the coma and and be competent. And it took him and it, it took this gentleman about six months to get things straight because the bureaucracy, nobody seems to want to help you in these situations. It's like banks and hospitals, and nursing homes, they, they don't care. They, they don't want to, you know, you think a bank, you're the customer, they would want to help you, but they don't. They're bureaucracy rules. And in some cases, it, it's horrible. And people don't try to help at all. And, and that's why you got to think when you're doing this PAV attorney. Let's say we have PAV attorney between husband and wife. And, you know, you got a reliable kid out there. Maybe put the kid on the PAV attorney, co with the, the spouse. Because if, if you really have a problem, both of you need help at the same time, which doesn't happen often, but it does happen. But what does happen is like both parents are 90 years old and you know, one really needs the care and the other one doesn't necessarily need the care, but they're not too quick moving because, you know, when you get to be 90, you don't want to deal with business. You don't want to be bothered with this kind of stuff. And it doesn't hurt to have the kid then down as a power of attorney. You know your kids. I'm not going to tell you to put a kid on a power of attorney if you can't trust them, if there's a reason not to trust them. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself this question, who do you trust more, your family or the court system? And I hope that you can trust your family more. Now, we talked about transfers between spouses are exempt from penalty. Transfers to a disabled child are exempt from penalty. And that is overlooked a lot of times. I can't, how many times, Nicole, do you see somebody coming in and the kid is obviously disabled, you know, for whatever reason, cane, worse than that, you know, not just cane, a little bit of trouble walking, but you know, has some kind of problems, whether advanced MS or something like that. And it's obvious and nobody said anything. And sometimes they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in nursing home bills because nobody at the nursing home said, you know, if you transfer assets to a disabled child, they're exempt from penalty under the five-year look-back period. And, And that's not even talking about the number of people who may be disabled who don't look disabled. You know, like you could have a police officer on disability, um, may look perfectly healthy, but assuming he can't go back to his old job, he's disabled, and we may be able to transfer assets to that police officer who's out on disability, or the fireman who's out on disability, or the 60-year-old guy who worked 40 years but went out on a bad back and collects Social Security disability. We can transfer assets to the disabled child and protect it from mom's nursing home bill. And I, I can tell you all the time, we, you, you know, Nicole, you're sitting in the office and a guy comes in in a wheelchair. And did anybody talk to you about transfers to a disabled child? No. The moral of that story is don't expect the nursing home to tell you the best way to get them paid. They just want to get paid. So if your first inclination is to just pay, Think about us. Think about the questions you should ask. And think about, do maybe I have an exemption here? Can I do something before I have to pay this all over? 
And again, disabled child, and it doesn't matter how old the child is. A lot of people think, well, I'm 60 years old. I'm not a child. So I'm not, dis- yeah, I'm not a disabled child. I'm not a child because I'm 60 years old. I worked for 40 years. No, if you collect Social Security disability, you're disabled. And that is not the only criteria, but that's the slam dunk. If you collect Social Security disability, you're disabled. We're able to transfer the assets to you or in trust for you. And then we figure out what to do later after we get mom or dad eligible for Medicaid. Also, if you own a house, a co-op, condo, if you have a child living in the house for more than two years, we can put that house in a trust and save that house from nursing home bills right away. It's an exempt transfer as far as the five-year look-back period is concerned. And then on top of that, if you have some cash, we can put your cash into the house to improve the house, give it repairs, pay the taxes, insurance, and save that money from going to a nursing home. I know we always say we try to save in taxes, and we don't usually say we try to save in nursing home, but we do say we try to protect your money from nursing home. And by protected, we mean do not give it to them. That's what we mean. Yeah. And also, another one that's very overlooked, and I, I very rarely have seen this, you know, where people come in ahead of time. But if you have a brother or sister, a sibling, who've lived in the same house, co-op or condo, for one or more years together, and it, it, assuming... You know, the, the let's say one sister's going to a nursing home, the other sister's living at home. If they shared expenses on the house, there's any equity interest in the sister who lives in the house right now after the one sister goes to the nursing home. If there's any equity interest at all in the house, we can transfer that house from one sister to another or preferably in a trust. And then the one sister can, you know, use money from the other sister to pay again the expenses of the house get the house in shape. Now, we got to do it within a certain period of time. But, you know, get the right advice if you're in a crisis situation because how many people have we seen that lose hundreds of thousands of dollars of assets, if not more, paying nursing home bills they really didn't have to pay? The typical that we see is... Because people are so inclined to pay their bills, they pay it. So if there was 150000 in the account, we see the wife who's paid 150000 out and says, okay, now that I've paid everything down, I'm coming to check to see if my husband is eligible for Medicaid. And we say, wait a second, you did what? And we have to tell her she paid the 150000 for no reason. We could have protected that. So don't pay and then come to seek the advice. If you're already paying come seek the advice now. But before you pay, come seek the advice. And here's another thing, too. One of the myths or misunderstandings about the five-year look-back period in Medicaid, people worried, well, I I bought a car. I uh, paid for a new boiler in my house. Is that a problem? No, spending money is not a problem. You should have receipts. Don't get me wrong. But spending money is not a problem. You can spend your money however you want. And maybe not always wisely. Like, for instance, if somebody's going to a nursing home today and they got an extra $50,000 floating around that keeps them from being eligible for Medicaid, maybe we buy a $50,000 car and then one of the children can drive the car around. And that child, in effect, has a new car. You say, well, why would I want to buy a car if I'm going to a nursing home? Because you can buy a car. You're allowed to own a car and go on nursing home or home care Medicaid without penalty. And then your family can drive the car around, and then somewhere along the line, we transfer the car into the kids' names, and let's say that $50,000 is saved from a nursing home. And you can put money in your house. Let's Hopefully, let's say you put your 
house in a trust more than five years ago, and you got $100,000, and you go to a nursing home today. Well, assuming you're single, you don't have a disabled child, don't have a child living in the house, so forth and so on. But let's say you got a hundred grand. You put your house in a trust more than five years ago. You can you're allowed to keep thirty thousand dollars, assuming you're single, and going on nursing home Medicaid. So we got seventy thousand dollars to spend. We can prepay a funeral. Let's say ten thousand, even number. Then, if we wanted to buy a car, we could buy a car. If we wanted to put money in the house, we could put money in the house, and we can save literally a hundred thousand dollars in a, a couple of weeks worth of time and be eligible for nursing home Medicaid on the first day of the month following these transfers. And we're not playing games. Everything that we're talking about here gets reported to the penny. It all gets reported to Medicaid. It's legal. We do it above board. But what irks me sometimes is the people, they talk to their neighbor or they talk to a social worker at the, at the, at the nursing home who's not a lawyer and is not working for them. And they tell you, oh, you can't do anything. There's a five-year look-back period because they have a limited understanding of the law. And I I don't think too many people are doing it maliciously, but I I do think there are people giving that advice who have a very limited understanding of the Medicaid rules and what you can do, what what you cannot do. I mean, that's what we've seen. We're not making this up. So, you know, anything we talk about here, we find it very important because it's, it's coming up more and more. All right. So, again, we've been in the Staten Island office for a couple of months. A month now, is it? I would say a month. Okay. So, what's the address again? Because I think we have to repeat this a little bit. It's 513 Davis Avenue. It's off of Forest Avenue. And if I'm coming from Brooklyn, how do I get there? Which is my problem half the time. I plead the fifth. (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you guys, you don't want directions or me as your mathematician. All right. Well, we'll we're going to talk about estate taxes on the next segment, and then you can put your two cents in on that. If only my face could speak through this microphone. <laughs> All right. We got to take a short break. You listen to Ask the Lawyer, me, Mike Connors, you know, accompanied by Nicole Donnelly. Always a pleasure. And Mike. Thanks so much for joining us. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Um, you know, we, we did a newspaper interview about Aretha Franklin's will. Beth, what do you know about that will? I don't know that much. Um, it, they, it's a good, it's a good will, but it was on her couch, under her couch. What's this? Michael, do you know the story? Well, okay. So pulling up from the BBC, the headline is jury rules document found in Aretha Franklin's couch is valid will. A Michigan grand jury has, a Michigan jury, excuse me, has ruled that a 2014 document found in Aretha Franklin's couch after her death is a valid will to her multi-million dollar estate. A two-day trial pitted the late Queen of Soul's children against each other in a battle over two handwritten versions of the singer's final wishes. Attorneys for two of Franklin's sons had asserted that their half-brother, Ted White, wants to disinherit them. Tuesday's verdict ends a nearly five-year legal squabble within the family. Well, so who got it? Well, the 2014 will, I think the three guys got it. There's also a disabled child who's in a mental institution or whatever, who got nothing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but uh, the the couple of things about it, one, it was in a spiral notebook, which technically you can write a will in a spiral notebook, and it was entirely in her own handwriting, which you can do that in Michigan, apparently. You can do that in Texas. We had that once discussion whether Ethan Edwards' will was valid exactly. in the searches, and it was under Texas law. Because in Texas, if you write a will entirely in your own handwriting, it doesn't necessarily have to be witnessed. You can't get away with that in New York unless there's certain exceptions from 100 years ago, like a mariner at sea or a soldier in combat right. or whatever. Uh, but for the most part, in Dang New it. York... You, your will has to be witnessed by two people. And that's one of the things occasionally that causes problems is because people say they got their will notarized or they got their will, you know, uh, it was entirely in, no hand, in their own handwriting. Well, again, in a lot of states, like, for instance, Louisiana and Texas, and apparently now Michigan, if the will is entirely in your own handwriting, it is valid, and, and there's a good argument to that, because if the will is entirely in your own handwriting, it's not likely that you were forced to, you know, right. to sign it or do right. it. And, you know, and I, there is a valid argument to it, but it's just not accepted in New York. And that's 
there are, you know, and people ask me questions a lot of times, and they say, and they give me a hypothetical, and I got to say, what state is it in? And right, because right. the laws are slightly different in each state, the laws in Louisiana, in, in some cases, are more than slightly different than New York. Most of the states are pretty close to the same. We're derived from English common law, and the reason I bring up Louisiana, there's certain things there that they're. Laws are based on the Napoleonic Code, not necessarily English common law. So there's certain things that are different in Louisiana. And, of course, even inheritance in, is different. Right. And especially in, in like uh, some of the states that used to be under Mexican or Spanish rule, uh, they they follow certain things like community property, things like that, uh, that are not in New York. And in fact, you know, like for the sake of argument, if you have a somebody did a will in Ireland or somebody did a will in New York, the rules in the, let's say between New York and Ireland are substantially the same. Um, and it, it might be just as similar as the difference between a will done in New York or New Jersey. Um, but again, once you start dealing with countries that follow the Napoleonic co- code, the laws of inheritance are different. Their, their feeling is land belongs to the whole family, not just to the one person who happens to have the title in his or her name at that particular point in time. But the, the right. problems with Aretha Franklin's will, she had apparently she had a, a will that was under a safe in a safe deposit box and then a later will that was found under the couch by her niece or in the couch by her niece and it was a spiral and her signature had a smiley face or something on it. Um and There's no signature? It's a signature, but the first part of the signature is a smiley face. Okay. You know, which, and, and I'll tell you something, I, I don't necessarily like knocking anybody, but Aretha Franklin had pancreatic cancer. She should have been better organized. You know, right. if somebody has cancer, pancreatic cancer, ordinarily, you know that, Beth, ordinarily you can think pretty clearly for a while. I know. And she probably had more than enough time to get a will properly done, witnessed by two people, witnessed by an attorney and somebody else. And she had more than enough time. And maybe this six year or five year courtroom battle may have been, you know, avoided or not only that, better yet, she could do a trust. But that would have taken some time. But she had pancreatic cancer. I mean, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, a lot of cancers do not. Uh, affect your mental ability, your your ability to right. think. Now, sometimes you may be taking pain medication that may affect your ability to think, but the cancer by itself usually does not affect your ability to think clearly, and you can make decisions. So I, I, I think this is, especially she had a disabled child, this is inexcusable. And she had, you know, an estate that had royalties involved, it maybe didn't right. have the greatest amount of assets in her estate at the time of her death, but it had royalties that were worth a lot of money. And she could have obviously seen there could have been a fight or dispute over this. Um, but Well, sometimes, you know, if, if, if everybody's hollering in your family, sometimes you just um, freeze, freeze up, you know, don't know what to do. Yeah, it's still hurtful. It's hurtful. Yeah. But under these circumstances, I really think it was inexcusable. She she had a fair amount of assets. She had a good income. She could have paid for a lawyer and not to cost that much. Even if she did a simple will, uh, it wouldn't have cost her that much. And she could have at least had a good shot of avoiding the litigation 
that went on. And I'm sure in that spiral notebook, things are not always clear down the line what she meant. Because I can tell you, even yeah. sometimes when people buy those will kits, um, yeah. the, there's contradictory language in those kits. You know, page 17 contradicts page 38. Page 38 contradicts right, right, page right. 104. And, you know, like if somebody comes in with those kits, and, and in a lot of cases I tell people, it's just as easy to do a new trust than to follow the kit because if you got to read the whole thing of the kit and try to figure out what it says and make amendments, right. that's more work than just starting a trust from scratch. Well, here, I have a question. So she writes her will. What if she doesn't put things in her will like, I want my executor to pay my debts? Um, well, did, an executor, executor would assume the responsibility of paying debts anyway. That would be under the law. Um, okay. The the thing is, if you write your own will, there's a good shot something's going to fall through the cracks. Um, right. But then again, if I don't know what form she followed, if she says I leave all the rest residue or remainder of my estate to my three kids or four kids or whatever she had. Right. And I'm not sure how she dealt with her disabled child, although I understand there was an agreement that the disabled child would be taken care of no matter what. Um, and, okay. and, and, you know, we, we should probably mention this, too. Let's say you have a child, and, and this a lot of people don't have a will. And they have, let's say, an estranged child or a disabled child. Let's say you have a child that's on Medicaid, is, is on SSI, or whatever. And let's say you got three kids, and two of your kids are working, they're fine. And you got a third child who's on Medicaid and collects disability. You pass away. Let's say you own a house. You pass away. You don't do a will. You don't do anything. The disabled child inherits a third of the house. And if they're not mentally competent to handle things, you could have a problem. You can have a problem if they are mentally competent to handle things. There may be a lien right. of their share of the inheritance. Um, and if they're not mentally competent, you may be frozen and they own a third of that house. And when that house is eventually sold, the estate of that child may have that house. And there may be a lien on the house by Medicaid or whomever. And a third of a third of your house could be lost forever. And of course I've seen people with one disabled child and they don't have a will. Right. So if you have a disabled child, you need listen, everybody needs to do a will. But if you have a disabled child, you need to do a will. If you want to leave them assets, that's fine. We can do that in what we call a supplemental needs trust, special needs trust. We can leave assets to a disabled child and not interfere with their benefits. And you know, those assets that are in the trust, assuming you set up the trust from your own assets, the assets in those trusts would go to your other children or your nephews and nieces or whoever you chose. So it's very important to do a will if you have a disabled child. But on top of it, even if you do a will and you have a disabled child, that disabled child could get a court-appointed lawyer. And the court-appointed right. lawyer could mess things up for the other children. You know, let's say you've got, again, the three kids and you do your will and you leave the majority of your assets to your two children who are not disabled because you feel your disabled child doesn't need that much in your assets. Your disabled child's right. needs are being taken care of by Medicaid. They're in a group home. Um, they don't need that much money. So maybe you divide your estate 40% to one child, 40% to the other child, and let's say 20% to the disabled child, 
figuring I've got a million dollar estate, $200,000 for my disabled child, is more than my disabled child needs. You know, they don't have that much needs because their needs are taken right. care of by a combination of government benefits, the group home, and so forth and so on. That could happen. The court-appointed lawyer for the disabled child may put in objections to the will and try to stall things up and maybe get a bigger settlement for the disabled child, which sometimes is exactly what you didn't want. But the problem is, let's say when you pass away and the deed to the house is in your name alone when you pass away, that house is going to go through probate and it's going to go through the court bureaucracy. And sometimes the court bureaucracy, even if you have a good judge, sometimes the court bureaucracy is overwhelming. And, you know, in a lot of cases, and we've seen this, in a lot of cases, you file papers with one of the clerks in the court bureaucracy, and the papers never really get to the judge. The judge, in some cases, doesn't know that there is a problem because the judge is relying on, you know, in, in each of the major counties in New York, you probably have about 40 clerks in, you know, the major counties like Quick, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan. I bet you they have more. Right. And, right. you know, the the judge can't see everything. You know, like in Queens, there's one surrogate with 40 clerks. And so it's very possible right. there's something floating around the bureaucracy that the judge doesn't even know about. Right. You know, because the judge can't handle the thousands of cases that go through the surrogate's court in that particular county. So, um you don't want to get tied up in the bureaucracy if you can help it. And the the way you keep out of the bureaucracy, you avoid probate. And if you own real estate again, if you own real estate, the big thing is to try to put your assets in such a way we don't have to go through court. If you own real estate, you know, 98% of the time, the best way to avoid probate on real estate is to Put it in a trust. Avoid probate. The trust agreement is like a family contract. It's your house as long right, as you're alive. Right. After you're gone, the house passes directly to your children. It's like an insurance policy. The beneficiary right. is on insurance policy and cash out your policy within a few days without going to court. They just need a death certificate. The beneficiaries of your trust agreement can avoid probate and sell your house a few days after you're gone with a death certificate. There's no court proceeding. Right. There's no probate. Usually it's going to be tax-free. And what, what do I say about usually? Well, there's no estate death tax in New York under $6.5 million. And if you plan it ahead of time, that's $6.5 million for husband, $6.5 million for wife. The federal estate tax is really at $12,900,000. So there's no federal estate tax under $12.9 million. And if, you know, with just a little bit of planning, that can be $12.9 million for husband, $12 million. 900000 for wife. So we can get almost $26 million tax-free as far as the federal government is concerned, which is, by the way, why a lot of people move to Florida. Let's say you're single. Your spouse is gone a few years. You have a $7 million estate. You die a New York State resident. Your children have to pay $700,000 in taxes. The same person moves to Florida. They pay zero tax. And that's why a lot of people with money uh, one of the reasons a lot of people with money are moving to Florida, again, $7 million state, children pay $700,000 in taxes to New York. $7 million state, you're a Florida resident, the children pay zero in taxes and death taxes. And I know some people say, well, what, what's a death tax? Bas- basically a death tax, it could be an estate tax, it could be an inheritance tax. 
Uh, an estate tax means the person who dies, you have everything in that person's estate. You add it all up. If you're above a certain amount, the estate pays a tax. If you're below a certain amount, the estate doesn't pay a tax. The amount right now in New York is $6.5 million. So, you know, if you're in that bubble, you really get killed in New York State on estate taxes. So keep that in mind. And, by the way, there's, there's an article floating around. A few people have brought it up about an irrevocable trust and stepped-up basis. Um, if you did a trust with us, don't worry too much about it. If you have an irrevocable trust to get the stepped-up basis, you need some things to include it in your taxable estate. If your estate is under $6.5 million, it's included in your taxable estate, but you don't pay tax. But some of the articles that are coming out are a little confusing. If you did yeah. a trust with us, 99% of our trusts are includable in the taxable estate. When would we not be includable in the taxable estate? When we got somebody who's got more than $25 million. So I don't think there are that many times we've done it. I know we've done it because somebody may have a vacation home or something like that, and they want to give right. it away uh, because they're, you, you know, like if, let's say for the sake of argument, even at $7 million, let's say you have $7 million and you die today, children got to pay 700000 in taxes. You give away $500,000 today and you live three years, your children don't have to pay any taxes to New York. So in that case, we might put some assets in a trust because you're worried about if something happens to one of the kids, you don't want it to go to your daughter-in-law, you want it to go to your grandchildren. So maybe we put that in the trust. And in that case, maybe it is outside your estate. You got a small vacation home and we want to get you from $7 million to $6.5 million, or we're dealing about federal numbers. We want to get you from $14 million to $13 million. Well, then sometimes we use trusts that are not included in the estate. But 90% of the time, we're included in the state. Maybe I spent too much time talking about it, but I know there's some people out there who read that article because two people brought it into my office and, you know, showed it to me. So, and the article is true, but, you know, some of these articles are written by attorneys who are not practicing law, and they really don't know how to explain things to people. They may be technically correct in the article, but technically correct what's part of your taxable estate might send somebody off in a deep end. Well, I don't have a taxable estate, so it's going to end up, I'm going to pay, my kids are going to have to pay capital gains taxes. No. But if you have a concern about that, don't be afraid to give us a call. Give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. We're going to take a short break. We'll be coming back to wrap up our show. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And if you want to hear, see a little bit more about the Aretha Franklin story, uh, check out the Brooklyn Tablet this weekend, and there'll be a story on that there. Now, also this past weekend, Beth, we went out to see uh, Sound of Freedom, which is a little bit of a, a controversy, and I'm not even sure why. Me either. Um, you know, I saw all these things, you know, like people were complaining about it. Um, statistics were fabricated. Um, it, it was, you know, a conspiracy type movie. I mean, if you're a child molester, I guess <laughs> you might feel offended by the movie. And it doesn't even get into like Epstein and the 17 year old girls and stuff like that. It's focusing on real children, children, babies, are, you know, whatever. But it's, it's a very powerful movie. Um, produced by Eduardo Verstegi. Right. Um, Michael, you had some comments about the well, movie. Well, yeah, I mean, right? one, of the, one of the things is, you know, I wrote up a little thing on Facebook, but it's easier for radio. You know, you don't want to just read that off on radio. One of the things is there are so many people who really do just want to put their heads in the sand about this issue. Um, and the media, the media tries to convince people that it's just not there. There are you've got a billion different articles, uh, Rolling Stone and The Guardian and all these other magazines coming out with these articles against it. And they target the politics and the faith of the people behind the movie without really they don't even try to dismiss the fact that the the issue is a real one, which goes to show. I mean, what what does it say when you're willing to essentially dismiss a movie calling people to action about human trafficking and child sex slavery? 
because the people who've constructed – at best, it's just because the people who constructed the narrative are on the politically the other team. At worst, you, I'll, I'll let you determine for yourself what the motivations might be there. But, um, but you know, Jim Caviezel, this is another thing. There, everyone's talking about him as this right-wing figure right now. You know, he did not really talk politics for most of his career. I mean, nobody thought he was a left-wing anything. You know, he worked with Mel Gibson on Passion of the Christ, etc. But nobody ever, but you didn't really hear him talking about it. Now he's firing off on everything because of the backlog it took to actually get this movie out here. So when they're talking about him being a radical this, that, and the other thing, guess what? He's been inside the belly of the beast on an issue that he considers worth bringing up to the world. And it's their reaction to his legitimate moral stand on this issue that has caused him to be framed as some kind of political radical. Because he was more than willing to be graceful and just kind of sit back and not get down in the political fray before it actively stopped him from getting his work out there. Now, what's a what is a QAnon? Conspiracy. I don't even know. I don't even know Q, what that Q, is. Right. I mean, how ridiculous and is I've this? I don't even know. My whole life. Yeah. No. QAnon was this ridiculous thing that people inside. You know, there was there was this quiet movement inside the white. You know, based on the internet, all these different things that there was an internal war in, in the government, and that you know Trump's people were going to oust all these. Basically, it was this ever evolving conspiracy theory, and you know, mostly. You, you hear two things. You hear one, that it's the silliest thing in the world and completely harmless. You hear another, that it's this ridiculous, sprawling right-wing conspiracy. So which one is it? Now, what, know, what was a conspiracy to do what? That's what I, I don't understand. To take over the government from the right. That was one theory. The, it, the whole thing, the problem is the and whole Jim thing Caviezel was a more... Jim is part of this? And no. No, this was this is before all this. This is I know. I, was this this was when... This was Trump, before the election. This was filmed before the election. Right. This was filmed five years ago. That's the other thing. Five years. Well, what happened there? It was Fox. Do I have this Disney, right? Disney. Had no, a Fox did. Fox produced it. Fox produced, then Disney okay. bought out Disney Fox. Disney bought Fox. Okay. And then Disney wouldn't distribute it. How sat on for how many years? Dis, Whatever. But years. Three, four years. I think it was three that it, they sat on it before. I think it was Mormons out west that ended up. Fundraising with the Angel Studios thing, along with it. Well, there. it was Utah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, they went to Angel Studios. That's yeah. right. That's right. And Angel Studios then bought it, right, from right. Disney? And then, look, well, I don't know. I mean, it's... Why didn't Disney release it? I mean, obviously, it's a money-making right. film. Yeah, especially have, since they already had the rights. Yeah. No, oh, but, my goodness. But the thing is, I mean, the it's, it's almost... Um, I hate to use the word, it gets overused, but in terms of it's the, in psychology, they would call it projection. They try right. to create a conspiracy because the real conspiracy is the people who don't want you to know about this. Yes. Yes. No, that's exactly, and I think that's where that QAnon came from way back when. Yeah. Because, because they there created were actually, this Because thing. there were actually people in the state who did not want the state called out for, so they, they just fabricate essentially what is a their version of an insidious conspiracy to cover up real insidious conspiracies. Well, so so now you have, and what I, I heard it at the movie, and I guess I knew about it, but they're talking about, and this is in Africa, evidently for sure, because I found out, yes, it's real, but the, when ba there's some babies, they have these women and they have the babies they take the babies and then harvest you know kill these little children babies and harvest their um 
their heart, you know, whether it's a heart, a liver, just take their organs and they don't mind that they're killing these children. And, you know, the night that after we saw the movie, I'm sitting there going, you know, you start with abortion and you let everybody think, OK, abortion's right. You know, that's cool. You know, and then we know in Canada, a lady, the little baby was born and then she was going through depression or something and killed her baby. And then they said, oh, that's OK. You know, it wasn't a, a fully grown child. She got off just because she was the mother and. Canada didn't want to, and then, you know, what's going on with um, the the in Belgium, Michael? About the well, in, in Belgium and the Netherlands, the euthanasia is all over the place in Europe. Um, Belgium is the worst offender. Belgium is often the worst offender with things in history, it seems. But, but I mean, this is no. You can you can be euthanized for depression as a child with no medical. With no, I mean, not to dismiss depression is not something medical, but this this is children with depression, children on down days who are unhappy can just consider euthanasia one of their health healthcare options in certain places, which is, I think, to anyone rational and sane and with any value for human life, utterly insane. So here you've got this movie that's talking about how children are abused, children for sex, for their organs. They've, they're trafficked all around the world. Um, we just, I mean, this is the thing. The, every, you know, people think of slavery and they think Civil War 150 years ago, whatever. No, there are more people, there are more slaves now than when slavery was quote-unquote legal. Back in the 1800s, 1700s. Okay. You know, and, and one other point, I just, I want to compliment Eduardo Verastegui because he was a guy, when he was an actor in Mexico, I, I, I once read this on the internet, I don't know what Mexican actors make or whatever, but they said he was the highest paid actor in the world. And he has changed his career path to make movies like Sound of Freedom, to make movies like Bella before past. And I understand he's got a movie coming out in in the f- winter uh, about Mother Cabrini, named Cabrini. And let, let's give the guy credit. He was making millions and millions of dollars, you know, no, just absolutely. being an actor. And, uh, of course, I was, we talked to him a, a little bit when he was making uh, For Greater Glory, which I, th- I think was one of the better films um, uh, about the socialist takeover in Mexico. And it, you know, it was a good film. I don't think it did as well as it should have done. Um, I understand it did very, very, very well in Mexico as one of the highest grossing films of all time in Mexico. But Mexico is still a small part of the world market when you put it together. And remember, Sound of Freedom, we're talking about Central American Mexican children being used in down in their area whether it, to Colombia they're moved all around but these are US people going down and 
you know, enjoying themselves with these children. And it's pornography that's being made that is just going all over the Internet. So when we're talking about Veristeu, what he what he came on and he said he loves the United States for the opportunity to make the film and he loves Mexico. Well, this is I just pulled this up to verify because I would heard chatter about it. But one of the things is. They're very ser- You know, we talk about Mexico as this problem on our southern border. Well, Verastegui is very seriously exploring the possibility of running for president of Mexico. Look, God bless him. No. I mean, the tribute to that campaign. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. God bless him okay. with all the with all the powerful drug people down there. And they're okay, kind of, well, I think we're running out of time oh, no. for this. All week, right, so thank y'all for listening. You want to, to join us. us again next week for whatever continuation we're talking about? Same time and places. You've been listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by Nicole Donnelly at first, and now my wife Beth. Bye bye, everybody, and my son Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and Otto. <laughs> Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.